0: Welcome to Black People Love Paramore, a podcast intended to help Black people feel seen. Please rate us and write us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Five stars only because we are five star bitches. We're Dio Gotti. I'm your host, Sequoia. And today, joining me to talk about podcasts and talk shows, we have Elise Ellis from A Few Minutes Podcast. Say what up, Elise? Tell them a little bit about yourself.
1: Hey, hey, hey. So I'm the host of A Few Minutes Podcast where I talk to young innovators, entrepreneurs of colors. Just about what they're doing in creative industries that I think is like breaking the mold are really interesting. Um, so yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at a few minutes pod and the podcast official name is a few minutes. And then outside of that podcast, I'm a podcast producer. So you may or may not have heard of therapy for black girls. I produced that podcast. I, I also worked on the show but yay, for colored nerds, which just ended. That was a stitcher podcast. I'm a culture writer too. So I've written for up rocks, rolling stone. And so, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Elise Ellis as well.
0: A resume. You, y'all hear that? That's, that's a resume That's stacks. We love to see it. Yeah. Listen to Elisa's podcast. I was just on an episode um, where I definitely did a little raging about Drake and Kanye. The raging was needed,
1: though. It was definitely Yeah, needed. because
0: they've pissed me off. They deserve it. They absolutely deserve it. And I'll start right now, right here, too, if I think about it too hard, so I won't. So before <laughs> <laughs> we get into uh, the main topic of the episode, which is podcasts and talk shows, we have in my defense. In my defense is the segment where we bring one of our controversial or unpopular opinions and we defend it for you all. Elise, do you have an in my defense this week that you would love to chat about?
1: Okay, so a little bit about me. I was raised vegetarian. I've never what? eaten meat.
0: Oh my god, you've never eaten meats?
1: Yes, I've tried like salmon, shrimp. Tried crab and learned I was like, and allergic you're
0: allergic. To To shellfish, this is wild.
1: So I've never eaten meat. So that is the premise of this. I really think vegan chicken wings with the stick in the middle are just a lot more classier than regular chicken wings. (laughs) Something about the bone and like seeing it, like it's very barbaric. I've always been disgusted with chicken (laughs) wings. (laughs) <laughs> like, let's all go on a day or out with friends and they get wings, and I'm like, this is, it, it's uncool. Elise. <laughs> you're fucking killing me. She said, Elise that I have
0: nothing like you Negroes, okay?
1: <laughs> I'm not fucking eating that shit. So, yeah, that is my, like, unpopular opinion. Like, don't eat wings around me. I love hot ones, though. I love that. I love that theory? show, too. Yeah. So, I'm ready for my... My own press tour where I, where I can go on Hot Ones and get vegan wings from New Vegan in D.C. And wow. yeah, eat them with a the little stick on the inside.
0: Damn. I am so sad that I did not talk to you like four days ago. I just came from D.C. I, ah. I don't know. Well, you probably don't know this about me, but I lived in DC, D.C. for a little bit. I know that you're from D.C., right? Yes. Yeah. I lived in D.C. for a little bit. Um, and I go back periodically because I love it. And if I had known that there was a classy little vegan wing spot, I would have had me some yeah. classy little vegan wings. Good to know.
1: That, and that's what I'm going to have later on today.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: <laughs> What's the name of the spot again? New Vegan. So N U Vegan.
0: New Vegan. Okay. Not mad. Not mad at that. Good to know. Um, that's a really funny in my defense. I am shocked that you have never eaten meat in your life, raised vegetarian. This makes sense. This is why you're so glowy. You're you, you're pretty and glowy. This makes sense because you never tasted no damn meat. That makes sense. Um, in my defense this week, I feel like I don't really have one. I have a light one, but y'all are going to be fucking sick of me. A lot of what I hear y'all talk about about my podcast is not even the topics, it's my food opinions. And I'm already tired of being dragged by you niggas about the fact that I have taste. I don't know what to tell you guys. You don't have to put cheese in everything. You just don't have to put cheese in everything. It's really unnecessary to to be putting cheese in everything. In DC, a couple of days ago, I used to live in DC, which I just said. And when I lived there, I had this favorite clam chowder spot. I love clam chowder. It is like my favorite fucking thing. I decided I'm going to hit up my favorite clam chowder spot again while I'm there for the first time in seven years. I go and tell me why they've changed the recipe of the clam chowder. And now there's Parmesan in it. I can taste it. It's not even listed anywhere on the menu. I take a couple bites and I'm like, wow, this is fucking disgusting. Why did you put Parmesan in a perfectly fine dish? You don't have to put cheese in everything. Similarly, I was at the airport on my way to DC. I decided I want a little pizza. I do pizza without cheese on it because I don't fuck with cheese. I go into the pizza place, ask for my little pizza, say no cheese, and they're like, "Oh, there's cheese in the red sauce too." I'm so sorry. There's you put cheese in the red sauce too. For what reason? For what reason? There's cheese on pizza already. Why did you put cheese in the red sauce?
1: I'm vegan. And so that is like one of my biggest pet peeves as well. It's just like cheese did not need to go in this. Like, I ordered a regular piece of garlic bread, and usually they say cheesy, creamy garlic bread. And I'm like, I was expecting just garlic bread, no Elise, cheese. You could have said that.
0: You are fucking preaching. I ordered truffle fries because I love truffle fries. About 50% of the time, they're going to come out with cheese, Parmesan cheese on them as well. It does not say that anywhere on the menu when I'm ordering these fucking truffle fries. Why are y'all doing that?
1: The expectation that I feel like I'm forced to have, that everything has cheese in it is so annoying. Like I hate asking about the most basic things. Does this have cheese in it? Because you guys didn't say it and you just assume everyone eats dairy,
0: we don't. I don't even like dairy. Cheese is what I actually hate, but dairy overall uh, makes, I generally dislike just, it tastes bad to me. Um, and then lastly, I tried to get some simple Italian meatballs, not even Italian necessarily all the time, because maybe Italian meatballs always have cheese in it. I don't know. Try to get some simple meatballs. And of course they have Parmesan in them. Why? 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 And I bite into it and I can always taste it. It's annoying. I don't like it. It's not good. I'm not having a good time. You don't have to put cheese in everything. When I see that there's cheese and stuff that cheese doesn't have to go on, it tells me that you can't fucking cook and that you have to rely on a thing that everybody generally likes in order to make your food taste good. You can't cook and that's enough.
1: That's where it starts and ends. Like Too much cheese, too much creaminess. There's a lack of skill there.
0: The lack of skill is loud. It's a sounding. I'm embarrassed maybe, maybe you should reconsider. Exactly. That's my, my defense this week. That's all I got. We're going to move on to song of the week. I don't
1: think that's a bad one though. I don't think that's Thank a controversial I Not at all. Like I think a lot of people are getting with like dairy's on the way out. We don't need all that thickness. I don't want to bite into anything and have it burst in my mouth. I'll say that. I
0: hate it. I have literally said those exact words. Growing up, I hated Gushers because I don't like things that burst in my mouth. Like that's disgusting to me. LOL. No, there's no entendre there intended. I don't like beans for that same reason. Like if I eat beans, I I need to smush them up first so they don't burst in my mouth because I don't like that. (laughs) It's disgusting to me. (sighs)
1: <sighs> i I can't get with the anti-bean slander i the love the vegan beans. i knew you
0: wasn't gonna, i knew i lost you i knew i you
1: lost you. like how do you eat so many beans i'm like i don't know maybe that's why i'm thick
0: <laughs> period period that's where it comes from because you said i'm gonna eat a bean regardless i can eat it it just needs to be smushed up i will not put a whole bean in my mouth that's gross but i will if i smush it up a little bit mm. that's it um i'm tired of y'all putting cheese in everything please stop doing that Song of the week this week, <laughs> Elise. Do you have a song? I can go first. I know I did not prep you for this. I can go first if you want me to go first with a song that I really. Yes, want you to go
1: first. Week. Yes.
0: Okay, cool. I have a list on my phone for these times when I'm unprepared. What do I want to go with? Hmm, what's most relevant today? So I have talked before about my dislike for when white women put on Black aesthetics for shits and giggles, Mm -hmm. get paid off of it, et cetera, et cetera. I have also openly admitted to enjoying some Black women who do, or some white women who do this, like Ariana Grande, and also openly disliked other ones, like Kim Kardashian. One that I have openly disliked is Miley Cyrus during her whole bangers era. I, I, I didn't fuck with that. But before she was doing all that, Miss Miley made a song called See You Again. And it is such a banger, such a bop. It came on my shuffle a couple days ago and I could not believe <laughs> how hard that shit still hit. I love it so much. It's so good. Yeah. That's me. That's my, that's my. my I'm position. ready
1: for white women to make white women music again.
0: I'm so excited. Like, I'm so excited.
1: She's like, there. She's there. Oh, she's there. But she's that there. era, what was that, 2007, 2008? Yeah. It was, was going crazy, honestly. <laughs> Ten things or seven things I hate about you. Seven things I hate about you was a pop. Oh, my God. You're right. I feel like I definitely grew up with Miley, Hannah Montana, and she had, like, such an era. And then, honestly, I didn't hate, I hated, like, Wrecking Ball.
0: I hated and, Wrecking Ball.
1: I'm in the club, high as hell, with some shit. Whatever, that song.
0: I hate to say that I love that one. I hate to say that I loved it, like actually wholeheartedly.
1: (laughs) It's so catchy. She had a few other songs on that album that I actually really liked. And doesn't she have a song with Future?
0: I wouldn't be surprised. That sounds on brand. I don't know it, but.
1: I think Miley Cyrus and Future have a song together. It's Real and True featuring Mr. Hudson. I really like that song. Okay. I felt like okay, that was okay. good for her. Yes. I was like, this is so cute. Um, yeah, no, I like that. But honestly, See You Again deserves the flowers that Party in the USA gets.
0: Wow. That is so true. That is so true. That's another one I went up for too. Party in the USA, I went up for. Can't Be Tamed, I went up for. There's a few miley songs that actually really did it for me and then she lost me at bangers and and uh yeah, yeah but it's fine
1: <laughs> okay so like every week i listen to a lot of cleo soul and this week i have been listening to rose in the dark the song i just love cleo soul i think she's so graceful in the way she talks about fucking up <laughs> um, okay
0: okay hold on you put me on i, I never heard of a-
1: a lot of her music. Um, so, yeah, that song, Rose in the Dark, it was also in the Insecure season finale where she's like, oh, I can't sing. Oh. Go for <laughs> but, it. I'm a little wiser. <laughs> no, I'm not about to sing. But <laughs> it's the montage where, like, Issa is, like, walking from, like, stage in life to stage in life and they're playing Rose oh, in the Dark. Yeah. I'm like, this is so fitting for Insecure. So, yeah, that's my song. I just love Cleo Soul in general. Like... I have a playlist called Cleo and Cry and then one called Cleo and Think. There are a lot of crossovers on that playlist. But oh, my God. You're jerking songs. I don't know. You, It's one of those where you just like really listen to the lyrics and you're like, she's definitely talking to me. She has lived a life that I don't want, not in a bad way, like she's had to grow, grow from, but has just like learned a lot. And I think she's only 28. So mm-hmm. I love it. I think her music's just like so peaceful, so insightful. Mm-hmm. She's also beautiful her collective that she's in they're called Salt in all caps so S A U L T. Oh. They just released a project this month. So if you're not hip to Cleo Soul, check them out and then also follow me on Twitter where I probably tweet about Cleo Soul once a week. She's never done a show in the US and I'm I will do the paperwork, I will do everything that needs to happen so she can come to the state.
0: Whatever visas we need to get you babe, we're going to get you in here. <laughs> um what's one song that people should start with if they like never heard of Cleo Soul asking for myself what's the first song they should start with is it Rose in the Dark is that what you said
1: Rose in the Dark is good I feel like Her Light is the most popular song by her and then Joe K from Selection did a remix to that which is also like a little sped up but really beautiful too
0: Okay. 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 That, you just put me on. I have never heard of Cleo Soul. I will definitely go check it out. I like the, uh, the thinking and and crying of it all. Are you, you're, you're a Gemini, right? Elise?
1: Oh yes, absolutely.
0: Gang gang. Very much love that. That's very Gemini shit. Like, oh yeah, this one's for thinking (laughs) and this one's for the other thing.
1: Mm. Some people are like, oh, I just have a playlist with everything I'm listening to. And I'm like, what if you're not feeling?
0: What if your vibes are different? Okay, we can move on to the main topic of the episode, podcasts and talk shows in general. Um, I'm very excited to talk with you about this because you have produced some very hit Black talk show formats for podcasts. So first of all, let's start here. What are some of your favorite podcasts?
1: So... I got into podcasting, like a lot of people did, listening to The Read. I feel like I always have to give them their credit. I've been listening to The Read since 2015. So that is a long time. I've gone to their live shows, talked shit about a friend at their live show.
0: Oh, you you did one of the listener letters? You stood up and
1: talked? (gasps) Yes, I did. (laughs) I did do that hmm do so we want
0: to rehash had- or no do we want to leave it as that I would love to know I would love to know
1: so I was in college and it was around Thanksgiving and I was planning a Friendsgiving and I had like mixed gender friend group mm-hmm. and I'm suggesting games to like one of my female friends I was like oh we should play this And they're like and she's like well the boys aren't gonna want to play games that was such like a pattern in our friendship where it's like, well, the men in our friend group don't want to do this. And so I'm always gonna appease to them. And I was just getting so annoyed because I'm like, are you dead ass right now? And right. So this it was
0: embarrassing.
1: I think their show was at the Wiltern in LA. It was at like one of the West or Koreatown, Hollywood.
0: Wiltern for sure.
1: And I was on the balcony and I was like scared, like, am I not gonna be seen? And it's funny, I went with a friend who was like in our friend group and I was like, I'm gonna do it. And she was like, okay, because our friend, they didn't really listen to the read. It was just us. And so Mm -hmm. I got up and I was like, yo, I have this friend. I feel like she always is catering to like male interests. And obviously like you want to be diplomatic in your friend group, but it just sucks when... There are the girls who are like, oh, I only hang out with guys. And I want to do everything the guys are doing. And I'm like, I hate that pick-me behavior. Lame. And so I told them about the giving situation. And I think Kid Fury said something like, fuck, is she their mother? And I was like, exactly <laughs> how I feel. <believe." laughs> so it it you know, but it was good to hear Kid Fury and Crystal read my friend. And they were right. I am no longer friends with her or like nice. any of those boys. Any of them.
0: Yeah, that's how it goes. Yeah.
1: I always think, you know, if I said something about my relationship to the Reed what would they say? And it would probably be like break up with him or dump her as a friend. Like Certainly. I ingrained that in my mind. That is how I approach some problems.
0: Hey, they scare me. They 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 actually scare me cuz I'm like, "Damn, y'all want everybody to break up with everybody all of the time. I'm never asking y'all shit." <laughs> cuz you know, yeah. mm, 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 no. No. <laughs> so yeah, definitely the read
1: was a podcast for me that I think Helped me get into podcasts. Um, some other stuff I listen to. I love the Cutting Room Floor, which is fashion's only fashion show, as the designer um, Rachel Omondi Oman, calls it. And so I feel like I, I have style. I'll say that, but I'm not. I don't work in fashion. I'm not she that does, knowledgeable. Yeah. yeah. And so listening to her podcast, I feel like I just learned so much about like the who's who of the industry and some people who I already knew about. I get to learn a lot more about them. And so she's had like. June Ambrose, Christopher John Rogers on the podcast. Um, so I think it's just super fun, and also to hear someone who was a designer and pivoted to doing podcasting um, and is very successful at that. I love like her background story. So that's one that I listen to pretty often. You know, my podcast is about like entrepreneurs, and so how I built this with Guy Raz is definitely an inspiration for me. I'm always interested in how people built their ventures or success, and sometimes. The conversation doesn't have to be so pointed on that, but just talking to people and understanding like, what's your creative process? What do you think about your industry? Really helps you understand how they did their thing. And so I think that podcast is such a great um, example. Then there are so so many more, like The Friend Zone is good. On Being with Krista Trippett is super good. Ear Hustle podcast is amazing. It's also made with incarcerated people. I, at one time just ended like this week I was working on two podcasts working on my own podcast and then still wanting to be like an active listener and I was like yo <laughs> don't speak to me after 5 p.m. I don't want to hear any voices I, I just definitely want to...
0: feel you lots of listening lots of stuff yeah
1: and then I'm gonna name two more so of course I'm gonna plug therapy for black girls um that's the podcast that I work on it's such a joy to work on that podcast and it's also just such a joy to see how so many people are like inspired and helped by the podcast. I think I love to do like mission driven work, but I don't like to be corny. <laughs> and I feel like working on a podcast is like the way to do that. Like, Therapy for Black Girls obviously is like an Instagram page, like a big digital community, mm-hmm. but I think it's really cool that this like audio product improves people's lives and you get to hear from other women who might've been through similar things that you have. We just had Jamel Hill on the podcast promoting her memoir. Um, and she was talking about growing up just around some like pretty like troubling situations. Like her mother was a survivor of like domestic abuse. She had an abortion herself, all the shit that went on, um, at ESPN with her and just her amazing sports journalism career and hearing her kind of talking about ebbing, ebbing and flowing through like um, trials and tribulations and really coming out on top. I thought that was really great. Is a switch up from some of the self-help stuff that we do on the podcast. So I love that. And then I love like after show podcast too. So Succession oh, yeah. has a bit. Of, who else? Well, Insecurity, insecurity was good. I wish, yeah. I wish. I wish. I don't know if you watch Industry, but I need an industry podcast.
0: And it Don't start it. Oh, well, maybe not. You got a whole bunch of stuff going on.
1: Yeah, but... <laughs> Woo. Industry is a show on HBO It's about like the finance industry Based in London It's really chaotic Somewhere in between Succession and Euphoria Is how I would
0: Ooh, describe it That's a draw Yeah
1: But yeah Those are my favorites I think I listen to just a lot And then I listen to like Random episodes of things That I find really interesting I'm Same. just like interested in a new Topic
0: Yeah No I I really like that I like a lot of the podcasts That you named as well I really like Dissect Podcast Have you heard of that one? Oh
1: yeah yes yeah they do every ever see like a different album right a
0: different album yeah and it's like usually a rap album i want to say but yeah anyways yes no dissector's is a really good one that i like Ooh, just recently i started listening to this show speaking of after show I started listening to this one called Back to the Beach with Kristen Cavallari and Stephen Coletti from Laguna Beach. I don't know if you watch Laguna Beach. Laguna Beach came out in like 2004 or something. I caught on to it in like 2010 or something and, and, and was watching it. They are now 20 years past this damn show. And now they're going back watching the episodes and like giving their takes as like full grown adults who are far past it on it. And it's real good. I love it.
1: Definitely gonna tune in because I love Laguna Beach and I yes. need that for Gossip Girl.
0: Yeah. 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 No, that's a that's another really good idea. I also like Balanced Black Girl. Uh that's Lestrandra Alfred's podcast. That's one of my friends. I've been on no, I have not been on that one. She's been on this one. Um, a good one. Yeah, that's about it. That's 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 the shit. Um and then talk shows. Did you grow up watching talk shows? Like, is that how you got into producing podcasts in general or
1: Yes. Okay. So I watch a lot of news, just a lot of news. Like my parents would watch the news every morning, every night. I was really interested I to take piano lessons. And like we had like a glass door. I could see the news and I would like hear Brian Williams and I'd be like, I want to watch the news. I'm oh, <laughs> like, to play
0: oh, you was doing your piano I lesson.
1: I definitely love the news. And then more like talk show format, um, the. Melissa Harris Perry show on MSNBC. I feel like that was always such a big inspiration for me. So it would come on Saturday mornings. She's a black woman. She's done stuff for Elle. She went to Duke. She has her PhD, I think, for a time. Yeah, but I would watch that like every morning. And she would talk about like, obviously politics, but like culture and like fashion, but like the big stories around that and have just like really smart people on her show. And so mm-hmm. I love that because I felt like I was learning so much. Me and my dad would watch it all the time. And so that was like a big like talk show for me. Also like the Rachel Maddow show too. um, Loved it.
0: You was really watching the news talk shows for sure.
1: (laughs) You was watching the news. Growing up, I loved SNL. I don't really like SNL anymore, but SNL was amazing to me. So I think that inspires a lot of the work that I do. And then when I was in high school, I was at one of Wolfgang Puck's restaurants in D.C., and I met Lauren Michaels, um, mm. the founder and creator of S. And, oh, that was super cool for me as well. And then I'm trying to think what other kind of talk format. I always loved David Letterman. Um, that was something I watched growing up, like, with my parents. And then I love his new show on Netflix as well. I think that is amazing. Honestly, if, like, I someone asked me, like, what's your dream ideal show? I'm like, just swap me with him, and I'll probably get yeah. some younger people on it and yeah. we're gonna do that
0: i definitely get that yeah
1: so yeah um yeah i didn't really watch like the tyra Banks show or wendy williams yeah like i knew who wendy was and i've probably seen episodes but it wasn't like i was super tuned in um america's next top model isn't a talk show but i did appreciate their commentary
0: yes looking back yeah.
1: mtv was like 106 in park was still big when I was growing up, um, it just wasn't, it wasn't AJ and Free. Who's, who's after AJ and Free?
0: Roxy and Terrence.
1: Exactly. Okay. Yes. It was Roxy and Terrence. And so I watch 106 and Park all the time. Same. Like their New Year's countdown is iconic. <laughs> no one is stopping that. And then just other MTV shows where they would just like play videos and talk about them. Yep. Um, I really did like that. I think it kind of sucks. Like I was watching Lala's interview on... Michael Rainey and Gianni from Power, their podcast. And she was talking about how she was on TRL and then did MTV. And I'm like, I just feel like there aren't that many opportunities like that for young people who want to do commentary or talk. And so for me, like working in podcasting and then now starting my own show has been a way to do that. And I was also really involved in Clubhouse, like when Club, during the pandemic, hosting rooms like with people I just thought were interesting. And so those are ways I think I started to like find my voice and really be interested in like working with other people who have like a strong voice. Mm-hmm.
0: No, that, that's a really good point. And I do think that black people enjoy the talk show format so much as we can see with shows like 106 in Park where that has, you know, two hosts and they're talking to guests and, you know, giving that type of stuff. Um, and then we can also see it from prominent shows naturally Oprah Winfrey show, Tyra Bank show.
1: Oh, I'm forgetting Oprah.
0: No. Yes. <laughs> you forgot Oprah.
1: Oprah, like the Tom Joyner morning show. Yeah. Yeah, Tom Joyner morning show. You were going to hear that in the morning on the way to school.
0: You really were. You really were.
1: It's interesting. Like a lot of people ask me about Oprah and I just feel like she's such an interesting character because do I look up to her? Yes. But- I don't know. Like, it's not the person where I'm like, I want my career to be just like Oprah. I want to be the next Oprah. When you're a Black woman who um, works in, like, journalism or just, like, hosting and you want to talk to people, everyone references Oprah. And I'm like, I feel like there are a lot of other people.
0: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I personally feel like I'm a lot less safe than Oprah. Just, just, yeah, no, that's not who I'm necessarily modeling my career after. I do very much see the doors that Oprah opened just for Black women who want to do the type of work that we want to do in the first place. Unfortunately for me, I was much more impacted by Tyra Banks show, just given how old I am. And back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe.
1: Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org.
0: Oh, God. And now looking back, I'm like, that, <laughs> that probably was not the most healthy thing for me to be pretty solidly yeah, invested in. I remember being in seventh grade and scribbling the Tyra Banks show on my little binder cover. You know how you could like put a piece of paper yeah. on the little plastic, whatever. Mine was just like this big thing of the Tyra Banks show, this collage of the Tyra Banks show. Because I was really into that shit. I was really into that shit, unfortunately.
1: It's so interesting. Tyra is... She's had a resurgence online. Um, Not a good one. People are <laughs> aware of the Show, of America's Next Top Model, and they're dragging her for it. I am here for it because I love you know, any exercise in like cultural research where it's like, <laughs> let's dig up this thirty-second clip from two thousand four yeah. and talk about it. It's like Tyra, why did you ask? Beyonce, those questions when she came on your show. Like, I really want to know what was going through her mind. She asked Beyonce some, like, or she was rapping to Beyonce.
0: What? I don't remember that.
1: She was saying something about how, like, Jay-Z is fine. Oh, my goodness. I don't know what You're she...
0: lying, Elise.
1: <laughs> Tyra.
0: Tyra, Tyra.
1: She was asking her questions and, like, rhyming everything with Beyonce at the end.
0: You're joking.
1: She was like, Beyoncé, when was the last time you bought something in a store? Brionce, what's your favorite type of cheese?
0: See, the, Tyra's writers hated her. The writers for the Tyra Banks show fucking hated her. Why would you embarrass her like that? Why would you do that?
1: We need Tyra on like a video podcast where they play clips from the show and we just have her talk about it. Like
0: We need reaction videos. Yeah. We do. We certainly need that from Tyra Banks or even just her Naomi Campbell interview where she was trying to quote unquote hold Naomi Campbell accountable for being quote unquote mean to her when they were young as if Naomi like owed her anything. Naomi was like, I, I, I wasn't mean to you. I just didn't care <laughs> about you at all. And Tyra could not wrap her head around that. At all. You hate to see it. Uh, another talk show I feel like Black people really liked back in the day was Montel Williams. Um, I don't know what happened to Montel.
1: I don't know either. I love, that is a talk show, obviously, just because of my age. I'm 24. I didn't watch like in real time. But some of like the clips that surface and like the reruns I've seen, I felt like that show was so great because like you said, Oprah obviously was a bit more safe Montel, I never felt like he was doing too much or like messy and, you know, a Wendy Williams. But it was great to see like a black personality host a show where like black people came on and that was it. Right now, I feel like I mean, we have a lot of podcasts like that, but it just felt so it was like it was late night TV. That's really what it was. And I just. Have that many black people doing good late night TV, and I'm just gonna say I don't like Trev- Trevor Noah. I'm glad he's on the way out. <laughs> he was also very safe, and I felt like as a black person, and something I you know strive to do as a black person. If you have the opportunity to put a wider audience on to someone who's maybe like black famous, to be honest, mm-hmm. then I I th- feel like it's your responsibility to do that, and. He and I feel like he also could have done that with like more South African people too. And I get like it's an American late night show, but you know everything has a story. Everything can like be twisted and warped to be like relevant. Yeah. And so I don't know, just his the guest selection overall, and just like the vibe of the show. Like I didn't really like it, but I will say it'll be good in the future to have someone kind of do another Montel Williams type show. And then there's always that like music. Portion of it, which I really like, just having like artists perform. I just love that about the '90s in general. Like yeah. on TV, every artists love and perform, and now it seems like nobody wants to do that.
0: Even the like kids' sketch shows had artists perform at the end. Like all that would have an artist, a musical guest at the end. The Amanda Show would have a musical guest at the end. That was very much a '90s early 2000s staple that I am very sad that we lost, along with theme songs. But I also feel you about Trevor Noah. I don't want to say that I dislike Trevor Noah because it's not him that I necessarily dislike, but I do think that he's really safe and kind of boring, doesn't really push the envelope at all, which doesn't do anything for me. I'm I'm turned off by that. By somebody who I know. I'm like, is this your real opinion? Like is your opinion always this safe and sterile and like, you know, not shaking the table ever? You don't have any thoughts about anything that are complex and nuanced and imperfect and interesting? I'm anti. And I do want more of that.
1: Yeah, I think you said this on my podcast a lot of people are so focused on like saying the right thing instead of saying what they want to say. And that's what I feel about Oprah and Trevor Noah is it seems like they're striving to say the right thing. And obviously, I don't even like the term politically correct because mm-hmm. sometimes it's just decency. <laughs> um, yeah. Obviously, saying or at least for me and I know for you too, like saying what I feel is always going to be decent. It may not be the nicest thing, but it's always going to be kind and with, like, good intent. I feel like that is put on, like, equal footing as, like, saying the popular opinion, what everyone has here. I'm like, no, you can be real. You can be kind. You can be intentional. You can stray from the status quo and, like, not have everyone hate you. But honestly, like, I, we're Geminis. We're not concerned with that.
0: Period.
1: And you <laughs> I was going to say that.
0: I just want to talk. That's the whole thing. Like, I'm going to talk. That's who I am. At my core and base level, I understand being concerned about public's perception, public's reception of what it is that you're saying. And because being dragged on the internet is not fun. I have been dragged on the internet more than once now. It's not a fun experience. But again, at the end of the day, it's me or it's you. And if it feels imperative to my personhood to say what it is that I want to say, I'm going to say that because it does feel imperative to my personhood and how you receive it is how you receive it. That's fine.
1: It's how you receive it. Yeah. So wait, I'm curious. What were you dragged on the internet for?
0: Oh, I talked about this on this podcast before. I have an episode of this podcast called Black People Love Jack Harlow with a question mark next to it. Black women love Jack Harlow with a question mark next to it. And on this episode, I talk about how I'm not necessarily impressed by Jack Harlow. And I think that he is an example of white mediocrity, one, but- (laughs) you know, there's been a couple bars. I'm like, oh yeah, that one was nice. Like I, I like that bar. What I was saying is that the bar for black women when it comes to black male rappers is really low because of how much abuse and shit that we have to endure in order to listen to rap music. It's always, you know, it's never big upping black women or rarely big upping black women yeah. as well. And if this one person The argument was whether or not he's pandering. And I personally was saying, I don't think it matters if he's pandering or not, because at the end of the day, he's still going in public spaces and speaking positively of Black women. And I don't really care about his intention behind it, because that's more than I can say for many other people with his same platform in his same space. Mm -hmm. That's what I said. I was dragged for that, and that was fine.
1: Uh, okay, so now that did, I definitely did see that conversation, um, yeah, because it happened probably around the time his album came out, and then he yep. had City Girls on the tour, which I thought, okay, you know, you're trying to get the girls, out. Mm-hmm. so I'm not, I'm not mad. Like <laughs> that's what the industry is, right? I do think Jack Harlow's cute.
0: <laughs> At least, let's just be honest.
1: And no, I just think he's cute. Like, I do think like. It's To me, cute is the right word.
0: It is. No, it is. Right.
1: But, wow. He is very contentious because I do think this last album of his was just such a flop to me. It was a
0: miss. Big miss.
1: And, yeah, but like you said, it's like so many rappers are going out of their way to talk negatively about Black women. So, like, does it really matter the intention behind talking positively?
0: Right, because he's going out of his way to speak positively. I don't care if it's because he's getting paid from it or whatever because the rest of you niggas are getting paid and talking shit also. Not the rest of, but but many of you. So it's like, mm, the bar's in hell. I hate that for us. Um, I hate that Black girls are going up for Miss Jacqueline when, you know, I wish we could go up for some other. People brought up Wale uh, as, as a rapper who big ups Black women often in his music and fair. I don't listen to Wale. Um, but I listen to Wale lightly, but not severely you know or anything deep but that was one of the rappers people brought up often and a lot of other conscious rappers but the point that I was making was about more mainstream pop rappers as opposed to other types of rappers which are also great I'm not saying that they don't exist or that they're bad just that this is very mainstream other rappers are also very mainstream and the stark difference is loud so that's why I was dragged I was also jagged for saying uh Awkwafina is a minstrel show I wholeheartedly stand behind that with my whole chest. I will say that at every turn that I can. Don't hand me the mic and ask me about Aquafina. If you want me to say something nice, I won't. So <laughs> that's it. I've been tracked a couple of times and it's fine.
1: There is nothing nice to say about her at all. And that's, yeah, we were just discussing on this about how people, and I think, yeah, this was on my podcast, but I think it relates to podcasts and talk shows. It's like, there have been so many there are so many like entertainment podcasts yeah. that have the opportunity to either talk about Aquafina or talk to her. I definitely don't doubt that people have talked about Aquafina because I don't think that's the most like contentious opinion um her career was built on a black scent like that's really what it is but then you know you see like Hollywood reporter actresses on actresses or like just a slew of media and it's like, yo, can someone just, like, she has apologized, but I just feel like I like more direct conversation with people who are the problem. And I think that's why I do like podcasts and talk shows because where we can have direct conversations amongst our own community about what the problem is or about what problems we're experiencing. And like someone doesn't have to gatekeep that. But then like, as your platform rises, I do think a lot of people have a responsibility to... Honestly, just say shit to
0: people's face. I agree with that. I wholeheartedly agree, yeah.
1: To be done with Grace. Like, you don't have to go in on someone and yell at them, but it's like, yo, like, you were in these movies. People know you for this voice. You get kind of your breakout premiere role, and that's not there. But you know who can't switch outside of that voice? A lot of different people.
0: Right, lots of different people.
1: And so the fact that you can ebb and flow through it And also ebb and flow through the wardrobe and the nails. And yeah, like at the end of the day, like a black girl could just not wear her nails, but that's also like our culture. That phrase to me can sound like so corny because you hear people say it, but at the baseline, like that's what people like Aquafina are doing. You know, like you said, people like, Ariana Grande, do it too. I know. And it, yeah, it's just pretty annoying. And I wish like there were more high profile conversations about that.
0: I fully agree. It really irks me that Alcofina has only been asked about this, I think, once. She's only addressed this once. And it was like kind of like a non answer, you know, like she kind of skirted around it and they just let her. Like, it's like. You have the opportunity to get the answer from this person that's doing something that people have consistently said is harmful to another group of people. You didn't. You dropped the ball. Why? What's the reason? Like, I'm disappointed and annoyed.
1: But yeah, the conversations can be a lot, really surface level, but also just, like, the responses can be even more surface level. And I personally respect, and, you know, it's something we all struggle with. Like, when we get called out on things, we get defensive and we want to explain, like, this is where I was coming from, or this is like my background. And I do believe that there's like importance to that context, but a lot of times it's just like, yo, a whole community of people are hurt, but also a whole community of people see you exploiting their community and they get nothing from it, but they also can't exploit themselves to move like that. And so that's it. I feel like it's just simple as acknowledging, like with Aquafina, like, yo, I may be from New York, Queens. Whatever, Queens. But at the end of the day, I don't talk like this all the time. And even if I started to or picked it up, it's because I'm around Black people or people of color, like you know, people of color who aren't you know Asian or. Yeah. And so, yeah, that is hurtful because they can't move up like me. It's so simple,
0: so simple.
1: And so, it's something I've been thinking about when it comes to like atonement and apologizing myself is just like how celebrities constantly get it wrong, and it's like, yo. How do I not want to be like them and actually like, yeah. be accountable for my behavior? But yeah, I do think like podcasting and talk shows, we really have the power to like have real conversations, but hold people accountable in a way that like some of the larger media platforms like aren't doing.
0: No, I definitely agree with that. And thinking of Montel Williams and the way that his talk show was set up, it felt very in group. Like it felt very much like it was a black man talking to other black people with an audience of black people present which yes which is hard to achieve in 2022 when the internet has made everything so accessible to everybody all of the time but I really do think it's important to cultivate Mm. that space specifically for a particular audience which is what my intention is behind this podcast is to cultivate space behind for a very particular audience that's not to say that other people cannot join or that you know people are not welcome. Like if you find it entertaining, you want to listen, go for it. I personally, I'm not sure how white people in particular find this show interesting, but if you do, (laughs) I'm happy that you do. Great. Um, But I really do miss that. I miss that in-group thing. And there's a lot of of shows that have the potential to do that and just drop the ball all the fucking time. That is The Breakfast Club. That is Drinks of, drinks Woo! with Champs. That is a, a, a lot of those.
1: <laughs>
0: it's a lot of those. I'm like, are y'all serious? Like, you have, like, a big opportunity, a big platform, and you fumble it this hard by being bad at your job.
1: Issa Rae came on Drink Champs, and that was three hours. I said, I'm not watching you yell over Issa Rae for three hours I'm not so that was my number one problem with drink Champs. but just also like you have this like creative genius in the room and it's not like they didn't get good sound bites or like good you know talking points out of her but it's just like let's make it tighter let's make it narrower but then also like there's so much more you could have asked her and I get it's like a fun drinking smoking podcast but I also feel like that's the opportunity to ask like even deeper questions because I'd say your guard is a little down (laughs) yeah I mean
0: but it's true yeah
1: and But so many times I just feel like fumble. I, the You know, the guys who founded Daily Paper, a streetwear brand out of, ooh, I don't want to say Amsterdam. <laughs> it's that part of the world, like the <laughs> Swedish, North. Mm-hmm. And they're all, you know, of African descent. And they were on The Breakfast Club. And I really respect, you know, the producers of The Breakfast Club or whoever pitched them because I think their story needs to be told. But then I also think, A show like The Breakfast Club needs to have the awareness, like, is this something we pass off to a younger host? Mm. One of my biggest pet peeves with podcasting, the talk format in general is, you know, and this is going to sound shady. I don't care. You have a whole bunch of 40 year olds interviewing young people and it's not clicking for me.
0: It's not. It's not clicking for them either. That's the whole thing. It's not clicking for the 40 year olds.
1: And they may have taste, but it's like the conversation's not as interesting because this person's like not your peer. And I hate to say it, you don't really understand their relevance because you're not living it.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um. Like even like Pink Panthers, you know, hypothetically, let's say she's interviewed by like Zane Lowe. I wouldn't want to hear that.
0: I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that.
1: I didn't want to hear Megan The Stallion's interview either. I don't. Because what?
0: Where's the common ground between those two human beings? <laughs>
1: And I do think there's beauty. And that's why I like something like a, you know, Nardward, even like a Sean Evans with Hot Ones, they're not Black people. And they interview, I think, Black people very well. They do. It's not, well, Nardward is intentionally annoying, but he's not that, that's the point. But I do think, like you said earlier, so much of our media is trying to like get everyone. And I don't think that's a problem because I want things to be accessible. But I do think some of the best interviews are like, I'm so inquisitive about your life, but a big part of the reason why is because I see myself in you. Like we're both black women or we're both from the Bronx. Or again, another thing I loved about David Letterman's show was like he interviewed Cardi B being a New Yorker mm-hmm. and Cardi's work. And I liked how that common ground really shined through and yeah. they both like history, and they he took her to like. Some historical sign. I was like, this is so cool because you guys found the common ground and were able Mm -hmm. to grow from there. Right. I feel like a lot of shows are like missing that. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, it can be super annoying.
0: Mm -hmm. No, I definitely agree. And how you were saying how drink champs like kind of brings your guard down, and that's why it's supposed to be an interesting interview, and it isn't. Yeah. Nevertheless, most of the time, it's fumbled. Sean Evans show, Hot Ones is also something that kind of lowers your guard because you're so fucking focused on this extremely spicy food. And he does a really good job of going in there once your guard is lowered and asking really good niche, unusual questions that the guests are excited to answer because it's not a question that they've answered 8 billion times yeah. on their press run, you know?
1: Yeah. Breaking, I think one of my favorite things, Yeah, if you can like break the press run format and really get someone to talk about Something different or you know, what they're going on the press run for, but in a different way or through a different lens. I'm like, that's a successful interview for me. Yeah.
0: No, I definitely agree with that. How long have we been going? Yeah. I don't think that I have too much else to say about the topic. At least do you have anything else that you want to chat about? Podcasts, talk show, formats, anything.
1: I feel like podcasting is just in such an interesting space. I was reading, I think it was from like Dear Media's LinkedIn about how like the industry is only like in the first, like, I guess, I don't know how best to explain this, but like only 5% of the podcast industry has been unlocked. Like we have so much more to grow. Like we're in the early stages of podcasting. Mm-hmm. And so to me, I feel like podcasting, even though we're in such an early stage, but there's always already like a sharp I don't want to say divide. People have really sharp opinions on podcasting are really like, I think some people think it's like really nerdy and they're thinking like NPR style or um, yeah, like NPR style, like super interview based shows or like really deep narrative stuff like Serial. But then I feel like, you know, on Twitter we hear like, you know, the podcast mic was dropped in the black community like crack was, like we need to stop it. (laughs) It's so interesting because I feel like both People on both of those sides like come to the middle. Not every podcast for me has to be most polished and professional. Um, well, obviously you want the audio to sound good, mm. but it doesn't have to be like I. No, I'm gonna be shady. We don't have to sound like NPR. We just don't. No. But also, guys, that like there's no like harm in chat shows. People also might not want to hear everything, every thought that comes to your mind, or like everything you've ever tweeted. Yeah, and talk to it. and 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 how many times can we have the same
0: conversations about you know the cis hetero dating experience and who should pay for what and who should do what and 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 whatever like it's boring and that's what people are talking about when they're saying the microphone was dropped in the black community like crack
1: exactly (laughs) And so I think when, you know, I tell people I work in podcasting, I feel like they're either thinking one or the other. And I feel like the shows I've worked on meet in the middle because um, yeah. they're great conversations. They're really well produced, but there's still stuff that it's still stuff that everyday people talk about. And I think if you can marry that, like you're doing with your show, then you're going to have like a successful one, and people are really going to like it. Thank you. And then. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, yeah, I think that's really the beauty of like a good show. It's like you're building community by talking about things people want to hear, interviewing people or, you know, telling an old story that a large community has an interest in. And that's mm-hmm. how you build your community and your listenership. But then from the other side, it's like you want it to sound good. You want it to look good. Um, you want it to even have a strong visual pre- presence. It's so funny. I'm only four episodes into my podcast, and I'm already like i'm gonna rebrand cause I'm picky <laughs> i I'm always evolving and and I'm not gonna be afraid of like that process because I think if I have a podcast where I'm interviewing like young entrepreneurs and people who've like started their own thing and creative industry, why would I be away from like my process of you know building my podcast? So that's something you know I always think about is. Just ways for like to get more people to listen. Like, I don't want them to think all podcasts are bullshit or all podcasts are NPR. Right. But then also for people to listen to my podcast and um, seeing things and shows I like, like yours, and thinking about like, what are they doing right and how can I adopt that for me?
0: Thank you. Um, 2020 definitely revolutionized podcasts uh, because people were bored and they started podcasts, which is definitely fine. But when I, someone who has been doing podcasts generally for like six-ish years now, hear people being like, oh, no more podcasts, like, please, like, everybody talks about the same stuff, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, there's just a large influx of people who didn't have anything else to do while we were all stuck inside who who picked up microphones. And that's fine, like, express yourself however you would like to express yourself, but please don't now talk about the entire art form based on a new trend that just started
1: what you said is perfect it really is an art form and because the art form has like a lower barrier to entry yeah um a lot of people can do it not well Uh, (laughs) um it's no shade or anything like that because there are a lot of podcasts that are sound super gritty and are produced from nothing but have great content but then at the same time there are a lot of people who can buy you know a road or a Shure mic for hundreds of dollars or, you know, even like a full blue desktop setup for thousands of dollars. And they talk about shitty things. So yeah. it's literally a balance. Like, it's not just about the audio quality. It's not just about the conversation. It's about doing it all to a level that gets people interested. And I mm-hmm. feel like a lot of the podcasts or conversations that we hear about happen to be like regurgitated, like Twitter topics. And I think that's where people are getting
0: out certainly no i fully agree you are extremely correct elise thank you so much for coming on my show it has well, been fantastic having, having you yes i love i love chatting about podcasts i've been listening to podcasts for a very long time i've been making podcasts for a very long time so i was happy when you said that this is what you want to talk about i was like perfect that's that's definitely a good topic black, for girl me. Podcasters. black girl <laughs> podcasters unite we love to see it elise has been producing podcasts for a very long time some really prominent ones that i'm sure you guys have heard of um and it's just great like i love that we get to be in this space the barrier of entry is low which is kind of good for us yeah. um, so we get to do it and do it well which i like for us at least tell the people where they can find you on the internet
1: so you can follow me on twitter um, at t-h-e-l-l-i-c-e-l-l-i-s So it's the Elise Ellis, but I've combined all the E's, um, but yeah, yeah, just follow the spelling. And then on Instagram, I'm at E-L-L-I-C-L-L-I-S, which is just my first and last name without like a double E between them. Mm -hmm. And then I do have a website, it's EliseEllis.com. So you can also check that out, Um, see some of my work um, for like Uproxx, Rolling Stone, Therapy for Black Girls, all that different stuff.
0: Fantastic. The resume is stacked. Go look at the resume, y'all. As for me, you know where you can find me at BPLP Pod across all social media platforms per usual. You can DM me, you can tweet at me, all that stuff. If you want to email me episode topics or people that you think I should have on the show, you can email me at blackpeopleloveparamore at gmail.com. And that's it. I'll see you on the next episode. Bye, y'all.